Okay, so I want to I continue on the series. We're talking about multiply, multiplying. And this has been, been a huge you know, series for myself, just the things that God is doing in me. And, and also for us, you know, um, I, a few weeks ago I spoke about breaking spiritual barrenness. You know, so you know, when you like Sonic and me and we've been trusting the Lord for another child for six and a half plus years, then barrenness is really, it, comes, it speaks to you speaks to you. You know, when you're trusting God to be fruitful, to physically have a child, and, and, and it's not happening yet, but it's coming in Jesus' name. We have our baby room. We're prophesying over the baby room. That's the baby room. And, and our goal is coming in Jesus' name. But, you know, you want to pull that through to, to, to spiritual barrenness. It's a huge issue. It's a huge challenge. When our lives mean little when our lives don't add up to much when when there's little fruit in our lives so this morning i want to speak to you basically about not wasting your life who wants to waste their lives i'm sure nobody and who wants to come to the end of their life you lay on your deathbed and you realize i've wasted my life I've wasted my opportunities I've wasted everything that God has given to me I've wasted it all I mean, surely none of us want to get to that point, and that's why I'm sharing this message with you this morning. I'm going to give you two or three things, keys to not waste your life, to not waste your life. So I've shared the story before, but, you know, I, was, um, I studied at Stellenbosch University. I was on the student council for, of the university for two years. In the second year at the on the student council, I was elected to the senior council of the university. So there's only two students, two or three students that sit there, and the rest are like business people and politicians and some academics, etc. So it was a great privilege, you know, to be a early 20s and to, to be on this senior council that we had to make decisions to determine the direction of the university. But I, I remember, you know, rubbing shoulders all these important people, you know, like uh, Christo Visa. G.T. Ferreira, head of Old Mutual, head of Sunlum, big name guys, people, you know, influential people. And, um, you know, so I came to be a believer in my first year at university. And for the first four years, I was doing more Jesus and church than I was studying. But praise God, I passed my engineering. But I was full on in the kingdom. And then I felt the Lord say to me, get involved on the student council and in that time, I, I basically stepped away from church life and my involvement in church almost completely. I just went to church, you know, still went to church. But it was a really, really tough two years. It was probably the driest, most barren two years of my walk with God since becoming a Christian. And, and I remember being have only these opportunities, you know, studying my master's degree, wanting to go into management consulting, Sonica as a chartered accountant. You know, we have everything set up, you know, to make a lot of money and to be influential and rubbing shoulders with all the big name people. And I mean, people would have been thinking, yeah, Andre's got it down, you know, things are, he's, they, Andre and Sonica, they're going to really make a success of life. But I remember being miserable, absolutely miserable. It was the, the driest, darkest two years of my, my walk with God. Those two years when I was in the student council and Sonica can vouch for this. She was not happy. You know, the way things were going. 
And I remember, you know, sitting and wondering, asking myself while I was finishing up my, my studies, I was asking myself, when was I really happy? When was I really, when, when did I have peace and joy? When did I feel like things were going in the right way? And my answer was when I was involved in church. When I was involved. When I was giving of myself to others, I was fruitful. I was growing. I was, I was, I, and I had so much peace and joy. I was so blessed. And so in that time, at the end of that time on the student council, it was like God gave me a taste of, you know, big things, big names, you know, being set up for success. And I had this revelation. I had this revelation that money will never satisfy me. I had this revelation that power and position will never satisfy me. I just realized I want, I want to have peace. I want to have joy. I want to, I want to be productive. You know, even just studying your master's degree for those who studied, you know, Oh, it's just such a waste. You know, you work for two years and you have this little document and they give you a, 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 a symbol. But it didn't change anybody's life. And I was like, oh, I want to change someone's life. <laughs> I want my life to mean something. I want my life to impact somebody's life because that is of eternal value. But I knew I had the opportunity to just go on on the path that I've set for myself and actually miss out. I could have maybe done a whole bunch of things. But I could have maybe wasted my life because I didn't do the things that God wanted me to do. So, where, where, where are you at? Are you, are you, have you made your sums of what is truly important in life? Because th- those things are defining. Have you made your sums of, of, of what is valuable and what's not valuable? Have you, have you received the revelation that an extra million rand is not going to bring more peace? Have you, have, you made, have, you, have you realized that? I hope most of us realize that. Money doesn't bring joy and peace and satisfaction. There are other things that add to our lives, but most of our society, most of our country, they, they all still pursuing the mirage. <laughs> You're in the desert. You see something, but you run to it. You get there. It's not there. It's just sand. And I thank the Lord for what I went through in those two years of hell because it opened my eyes. It opened my eyes. It influenced my value system. I decided I, wanna, I want to influence lives. I want to serve wherever, even in the background. I don't care. But I just want to see lives changed. And I've seen that God bless us. Because of that, that, that mindset, that priority. So how can we not waste our lives? How can we not waste our lives? And a few weeks ago, three weeks ago, I spoke about um, specifically in the area of spiritual barrenness. I took us to that, that parable. I want to read that parable again in Luke. Just quickly, I want to just highlight this again. The parable in Luke chapter 13. But you know what, what, what's, what, what, you know what is still with me after my, my few years on the student council? It was in my first year, I had an opportunity to share in, in one of the, it was like one or two of us were Christian on the student council. But I had my opportunity, I knew, I'm, whatever I'm going to do, I'm going I'm to talk about Jesus, because Jesus is my everything. So I, I would share my testimony with this student council guy. Any gap, you know, we had a first weekend away. The first gap I got, I shared my testimony. And they were like, Weird. But there was this one lady 
Nadine Badenhorst. She was studying law, and she was a very, some of the other guys, they were wild, they were very ungodly bunch. Aggressively anti-Christian bunch. They would come for people like me, the Christian candidate. Woo! Make America great again. Makey, <laughs> whatever, yeah? So, but I remember sharing my testing with her, and it made such an impact on her. Yes! The kids are shouting, yes! Good preaching! But I remember her sharing that my testimony made such an impact on her. But while I was still a student, didn't see her again for a few years, and then around, what, eight years later... I met her at the Artscape in Cape Town. I was still like. <laughs> and she said, no, she committed her life to Jesus. And uh, she's now the advocate for the four South Africa organization representing five million people in the country. Fighting for the things that matter for Christians. Isn't that cool? That's fruit. Uh, let's give Jesus a hand. Come on, that's beautiful. So. So it's not just because of me, but I know something I said and I shared it. It, it was a seed that I was sowing. You know, but I want to, this, this is my, my passion to see, to see our lives become fruitful, not wasted. Anyway, so this parable, Jesus was saying, a certain man. Now, you could say that certain man was King Jesus. He had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. His vineyard is his church. We are that fig tree. You and I are the fig tree. And we are planted in his vineyard. The Bible always assumed that Christians are planted in a church. There is no such thing as a Christian outside of the vineyard. And he came seeking fruit on it. He came seeking fruit. So Jesus came and he comes to his church and he's looking for fruit. And he found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree and I find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also. Until I dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit, well. But if not, after that, you can cut it down. So Jesus, King Jesus, say King Jesus. He's the owner of the vineyard. He's the, he's the author of life. He gives us life and then he says, I'm expecting fruit. I'm looking for fruit. Where's the fruit? And now he says to the guy, the keeper of the vineyard, I'm not finding fruit. For three years I've come. There's no fruit. Why is there no fruit? And the guy said, wait one year, come on, let me fertilize it. And uh, if it still doesn't bear fruit, then cut it down. So our very, our very reason for existence is to bear fruit. And if we plant it in his vineyard, King Jesus is looking for fruit. Are you bearing fruit or are you wasting your life? Are you bearing fruit or are you wasting your life? So what is King Jesus doing on the earth? What is he doing? What he, where is he building? Do you know what he said? I will, I will build my church. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Sonic and I have had this revelation. Jesus is building his church. His church is the answer to South Africa. When you and I become the hands and feet of Christ, then things can turn. We are the solution. We are the answer. Jesus, I'm building my church. I'm building my church. And our fruitfulness is connected to the body of Christ, to the fruit, to, to, to the church. When we start serving, when we start giving of ourselves, when we start 
start doing the will of God, then we can become fruitful. Okay, but that's just two. Jesus seeking fruit. Say seeking fruit. Okay, so now I want to take you to another parable. And it gives three keys for me of how we cannot waste our lives. And the first part, this is in Matthew 25, verse 14 to 30. Okay, would you like to know how not to waste your life? I want to know how not to waste my life. So this parable, what's a parable? A parable is a story that Jesus would share to explain to us what the kingdom of heaven looks like. You see, we battle to understand what, how God operates and how the kingdom of God, what it looks like and, and how it operates. So he shares these stories to give us something that we can almost touch to, to get a feel for how does the kingdom of God really work. Okay, so now the first one there. He says in verse 14, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. That man is King Jesus, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. Okay, so if you don't want to waste your life, the first, the first, the starting point is to understand who Jesus is. Yes, he's the lover of our souls. Yes, we are sons and daughters of God. Yes, but there's another facet, another aspect to it. We are servants. We are servants, and Jesus is the King. And the king has a kingdom, an environment, a region where he reigns, where he establishes his kingdom reign. So just before we went to Brazil earlier this year, I had a weird dream. In the dream, you know, it's that classic setup to a really, really scary dream. You just have this eerie feeling. So it's me and another guy, and we're speaking to an evil guy, like the head of the mafia. It's like a mafia gang. There's this drum with fire in it. We're outside in a like, night environment. And they, this, we're speaking to this one guy, and a whole bunch of other guys connected to that one guy. And so now we're negotiating with this guy. Weird dream. So now we're negotiating with this guy. But he's like, he's the head of the gang. He's an evil man. And at some point, it's like negotiations are over. The guy gets up and he walks away. And I knew he's going to do something bad. He's going to know. This is not. This is the moment where the dream goes freaky. I'm sure we all have had it. You know, it's coming. It's going. Ah! It jumped out. It came. You know. But it's amazing. In this dream, I grab this guy by the wrist. So I grab him by the wrist, and then I start shouting, Kingdom come! Kingdom come! And I kept on shouting in this dream, Kingdom come! It was amazing. The power of God in this dream came upon this man, and this evil personality disappeared. And this man fell to his knees, changed into a woman, weeping and repenting before God. I was like, wow! How's that for a good ending compared to the normal freaky one where something jumps out behind a bush? But it so spoke to me. 
That we as the servants of God, we are called to extend the kingdom of God. And when we went to Brazil and at other times, we've experienced this. Where we would pray for people with darkness on their souls. Darkness in their lives. And we would release the kingdom of God. And something would shift. The darkness would go. There would be transformation and repentance. The kingdom. The kingdom has just come. The kingdom of God. The reign of Jesus Christ has just come. Kingdom. You see, but Jesus is the king. And he wants to extend his kingdom reign upon the hearts and minds of people. And so I want to concur with the words shared at the end of worship. I, you know, the Lord wants us to have soft hearts. But he says there, a man, King Jesus, traveling to a far country, who called his own servants. Do you know that you and I, we are servants? As I say, we, we like to focus on I'm a child of God, and that's true, yes. And we have a love relationship with our God, yes. But another component is Jesus is king. And we forget this. We live in a democratic society where it's everyone for himself, you know, where self reigns. But in a kingdom, what the king says is what happens. What the king says is life or death. To the subjects. And so it says here that the king calls his servants to himself. And then he gave them his goods. Say his goods. Okay, I'm going to get to that in a moment. But the power of being a servant is that it, at its essence, it's surrender. It is surrender. This is the blessing of being a servant of God. It's that you can hand over all the big stuff. You can give him the, all the big things. You can just get back to what, what, what do you want me to do, Lord? I'm just going to focus on those things, but I surrender all to you. I don't need to figure out the next 20 years because you're the master. <laughs> you're king. You're going to sort things out. I'm just giving it all to you, but I surrender. I surrender my heart. I surrender my life, and therefore I can have my peace and my joy back. You see, when, 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 it, when, when self is king... Then we worry, then we anxious, then we stress, because we, we now need to do God's role. But when we're just servants, following our king, you can hand it over, you can surrender. So, and then he delivered his goods to them. He delivered his goods to them. So what are, what are you know, I think, the, one, of the, one of the greatest traps of our Western, our modern Western comfortable society in terms of the gospel message is, that we can subtly think that God is here to serve us. We can subtly think that God is here to serve me and my plans and my ideas and what I want. And, 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 it's not, and not that it's actually the other way around. He is king. I am the servant. I'm here to do his will, his plans, according to his ways. And yes, I get blessed in the process more than I can ever imagine. I have peace and joy, provision, you name it. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added. But seek first. And so, but our Western churchianity tends to be, you know, as long as this works for me, it's comfortable. I'm not, I'm not too uncomfortable. I'm, I'm, my, my, it's, not, it's not imposing too much on my life. Then, you know, then, then I'm happy. But it's a different game if we start off where there's a king, King Jesus. And you and I will stand before this king one day. 
No, we can't see with our physical eyes now, but we know he is the king. We're going to stand before him at some stage. And so the king comes and he gives us his goods. So three guys are given his goods in this parable. What does it mean? Everything you have, everything I have, belongs to God. Everything. Everything I am. Think about this. He comes and he commits his goods. So to every one of us, the Lord comes and he commits his goods. We're not just talking about finances now. We're talking about your time. We're talking about your skill. We're talking about your ability. Everything that you are is a gift from God. It's been entrusted to you. It's been entrusted to you. He's asking, what are you doing with what I've entrusted to you? Because there's going to come a moment where they will be given an account. So I think Jesus would be asking, if he would be walking to uh, all the churches in Western society especially, I think he's going to ask this one question. Okay, so help me understand this. So you've committed your life to me? Yes. You've surrendered your life to me? Uh, Yes. So help me understand this now. Then why are you living life as if it's only about yourself? Why? Could it be that self has become your God? Could it be that self is enthroned on the throne and not me, King Jesus? Could it be? I believe that's one of the biggest traps where we could find ourselves wasting our lives. Because we forget that he's king. We forget that everything we have comes from him. And we're going to give an account at some stage in our lives. We forget that. And we start thinking that Christianity is about what I can get out of it. If, I, if, you know, if it fits my agenda, then I am happy. Then, then I'm going to be, yeah, it's working for me. It's comfortable for me. Self is enthroned. I think we all fall into this trap sometimes. So I'm just reminding you. I think there are amazing people in this church. You guys serve incredibly. I love your hearts. It's awesome. I believe God, God's heart is for you and for us as a church. But I think sometimes we forget he is the king. And he, everything we have comes from him. So who's enthroned? Who's enthroned? Who is who's Lord? Who's the king of your life? Truly, truly. So we're going to go on with the parable. Let's look at the next bit. We're talking about how not to waste your life. Firstly, realize that he is the king. Everything you have comes from him. Secondly, look at this. Verse 15, Matthew 25. And to one, he gave five talents. To another two, and to another, and to another one. To each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of the servants came and settled accounts with him. So Jesus saying, the king is coming, the master is coming, and he's going to ask for an account. But it says there, to each according to his own ability. Everyone is given something. Every one of us are giving, in this case, talent represents money. But I believe it's wider than that. 
It's more than money. It's more than just resources. It's our time. It's our talents. It's our abilities. It's the skills that God has given to us. And it says there there was a guy with five, there was a guy with two, and a guy with one. What if the guy with five actually started with one? What if he started with one, but yet he was faithful with the one, and it became two, and then he was faithful with the two, and he became the, 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 he, the, he grew in capacity so that he could now be trusted with the five. I, I believe capacity is increased through faithful use of what he had. So my question to every one of us, what has the master, King Jesus, committed into your hands? What has he given you? I want to make a list of a few things. And what are, you, what are you doing with it? What has he given to you and what are you doing with it so that you might not waste your life? A few things. Leadership gift. First one, leadership gift. You know, a leadership gift, the purpose of it is to equip and to develop others, to shape it. You know, like small group leaders, interns, etc. Now, you might say, hey, I, I, I never was a leader. I'm, I'm like a, not even a one talent leader. I'm a minus. You know, when I was at school... I wasn't a leader. I was this mess up. I was a stuff up. I was, my life was a mess. There was so much darkness in my life since my parents divorced. That I, was, I was on the wrong track. I was, a, I was a mess. After becoming a Christian, I went after boot camp, leadership boot camp. One, two, two, three, four, five, 555. You know, just like getting into the fire learning how to, how to grow, but I had to get walking in a certain direction. I had to make myself available. I had to say, yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this and feel qualified. My past says I can't, but I just know the Lord is stirring in my heart, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start stepping out. So forget your past. You can grow. You can grow that ta- even if it's just the one talent. Another one, musical talent. Do you have musical talent? Maybe even just the one. But in the end, the purpose of the musical talent for God's purposes would be to lead people into his presence. So what are you doing? Are you developing your skill? Are you practicing? Are you taking classes? Are you being, I hope one day. So Sonic and I, we make a plan. That's how we work. So with Vian, he's now seven. He started piano lessons beginning of this year. We have a plan. Every day before any allowed to do anything like watch TV or anything, practice piano, my boy. So we've set out the plan. Watch the space. Grade seven. Grade seven is going to play drums here in the church. We're going we're gonna to trust the Lord from piano to drums to guitar. But we're going to do our bit to help our child develop the skills. So parents, what are you doing? Are you helping your children to develop the skills? What is the Holy Spirit laying on your heart for your child? Are you asking him, Lord, what, what, what must we develop for our child? Because Sonic and I believe we must develop this area of our son. So we bribe and we manipulate, we do whatever. No, no tablet. Piano. Piano. <laughs> but he's going to thank us one day. On his 21st birthday. I just want to thank my mommy. Not mommy, but my mom for... <laughs> I want to thank my parents for, 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 for taking the lead and, and developing my skill so that I can now be the worship leader God has called me to be. Amen. So what skills do you have? Are you developing them? 
but specifically for kingdom purpose. It must be for the kingdom. If it's just for, you know, life in general, that's fine. But if you want true rewards, it must be for the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. What about parenting skills? Purpose of being a good parent is to raise up godly offspring. Are you equipping yourself? Parents, are you reading? Are you studying? Are you talking? Are you saying, no, I didn't think that, that's not working. Uh, the, the, <laughs> we, we're having to give too many hidings here. There's something's not working. Our discipline is not working. You need to talk. You need, as parents, you know, tell one another, hey, when you do that, it's not, not working. I tend to make silly jokes with my son, and then he doesn't, resp- yeah, he doesn't, doesn't like it. But he also likes jokes. But um, anyway, so my wife speaks to me. I need to work on my silly jokes. To not provoke my son unnecessarily. So, another one. Financial means to extend God's kingdom. You can't say, well, one day when I have a million rand, then I'm going to give. Nonsense. If you can't give when you've got 300, you're not going to give when you have a million. You can't. You're not going to. The stats show it. The more money people have, the less they give percentage-wise. That's what the stats show. In other words, we tend to hold on more. So you need to be ruthless even when you don't have so much for the kingdom, to extend the kingdom of God. Need to get our priorities right, grow in generosity now. Then what about time to serve? We all have been given this grace by God. Time is a gift. Time is a gift from God and it's only, we only have so much. Are you investing your time according to? To God's kingdom purposes. Are your priorities right? Are your priorities right? I mean, who's not busy? Everybody's busy. Everybody's busy. In fact, so, so you know, something Sonic and I learned, and this is again for the parents. You know, we're really trusting to have a flourishing youth ministry in the near future. But as parents, we must guide and lead our children in the right way. What, what, what example are we setting? What, what are we communicating to our children? Our son, when we're driving in the car in town, then, uh, he, and he's on, on the way to church, and people are walking next to the road, and he's like, Daddy, why aren't they going to church? That's just wrong. They must go to church. <laughs> Priorities. So we're investing in our son. But something else. You know, when Sonic and I, when we were studying, she chartered accountancy, engineering, Final year engineering exams. We had a rule. Sundays, in the middle of the exams, we don't study. We go to church. So I would study Saturday night until 12. Until 12, I'd really grind the last two hours. Until 12, and at 12 o'clock, 10 past 12, I'm finished, and I have my rest day, and I would spend time with the Lord, and I would go to church, and I would serve somewhere. But I, I was like, Jesus comes first. So what is your excuse? What is your excuse? What is your excuse? What is your excuse? And what what excuses are we giving our children? What are we communicating to the poor teenagers? They're so busy. Rubbish. (laughs) It just gets worse. But sometimes we pamper them like, oh, it's so tough, you know, so tough. And we we raise these, these, you know, Children that like soft man, <laughs> soft. Get your priorities right. King Jesus, who gave you life, who died for us on the cross, who gave us everything. 
All he's asking is, prioritize my kingdom. And if you're a parent, show your children how. Show the way. Prioritize. Because the, the next bit, uh, it's, it's hectic. Some, if you can read the scriptures, it's hectic. But my question is, are you, are you growing your skills? Are you prioritizing the kingdom of God? Are you investing your time effectively? Otherwise, you're not. You're going to waste your life. You're going to waste your time day by day. Wasted day, another wasted day, another wasted day. So, the next bit there, verse 24. Look at verse 24. Now, this is the one talent guy. So, Jesus comes. King Jesus comes back. And he, and he speaks to him. I heard this. It's so powerful. It says, you will... Overestimate what you can do in the short term, but you will almost always underestimate what you can achieve through a lifetime of faithfulness. You will almost always underestimate what you can achieve through a lifetime of faithfulness. So the challenge is to be faithful every day. Don't necessarily worry about 10 years from now, but today I'm going to develop my skill like Stephen preached last Sunday about you know, getting into the Word, meditating upon the Word, praying over the Word. Start every day a little bit. Every part of your life, just start with a little bit and start developing and growing in, in that area of your life. So now Jesus comes back, verse 24. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, I'm jumping now the fifth and second, I'll get to that in a moment. He said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathered where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, say afraid, and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. So he went and he hid it. He did nothing with it. He did nothing with his time. He did nothing in terms of kingdom priorities, in terms of his time or his talents or his or his finances, resources, etc. And he says, the reason was, I was afraid. I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look there, there you have what is yours, verse 26. But his Lord, King Jesus, answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. That's ah, not a nice scripture, is it? You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. And then goes on verse 30 and says, and cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yeah, good response. Yeah. That's the God we serve. There's that moment where King Jesus says, you wicked and lazy servant. But the servant said, but I gave you a good excuse, didn't I? I was afraid. Surely that's good. Jesus, I was really busy. Jesus, life was really tough. Jesus, my kids kept me busy. What, what's the ex- what excuse are we going to give? So I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help all of us to be ready that day when we stand before the king. What is he going to say? What are we going to say? Are we going to give excuses? Or are we going to say, Lord Jesus, I I did it. I went for it. I lived my life every day. It's not the big things. It's the small things. Faithful in the small every day. That's the key. The impact of just being faithful every day. You will achieve more than you can imagine when you're faithful every day. So did the excuse work for the one talent guy? 
Did the excuse work? Did the excuse work? It didn't work. King Jesus was like you lazy and wicked servant. You wasted your life. You wasted everything I gave to you. Why did you live on the earth with everything I gave you, all the opportunities, your time, your talent, your, 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 all of those things, I blessed you so that you could be my hands and my feet. I blessed you so that, 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 that your neighbor or, or that family member or that person at work could experience my love. But you were so busy with self. You were so busy doing your own thing. You were so busy. I know this is now not the happy, happy, happy gospel that I'm sharing this morning. We don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear this. But this is in the scriptures. This reveals to us who our God is. He has an expectation. If you that fig tree you plant and in his vineyard you must bear fruit. You must be fruit. What if? You know, I, I, I battle with it last bit. Cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I battle with that. So Jesus, are you saying that if we don't bear fruit, we might lose our salvation? Is that what you're saying? Could it, could it be that if we don't invest our time for the kingdom of God and our resources and our skills and our talents for the kingdom of God, could it be that over time, the fire, the love of God in our hearts go, grow cold? Could it be? Could it be that over time we lose our way? I think it could be until the point where actually we're not saved anymore. We're not in relation with Jesus anymore. So I'm preaching to Christians today. I'm preaching to Christians today. That we may stay on track. So what will your excuse be one day? What is your excuse currently? Maybe you have a little baby and it's really tough. Well, you can you know, reach out to the other mommy and her baby. And that could be it. That could be the kingdom is coming. It doesn't need to be big things. It can just be the small things, little things, being aware of what is God laying on your heart. But being, being ready. And I believe one of the keys is that guy was afraid. And so many times I speak to people and I say, I'm afraid. That's why I'm not stepping out. I'm not stepping out. I can't lead. I've never led. I'm afraid. Don't be afraid of failure. Be afraid of doing nothing with what God has placed in your hands. Don't be afraid of failure. Be afraid of doing nothing with what God has placed in your hands. Do something. Apply it. Impact someone's life. So there's a, I believe one of the keys to step out of that place of fear is thanksgiving. To be thankful for what God has given you. Every day to get up to God, thank you for this day. Thank you for what you have. It's just one talent, but thank you for what you've given to me. I'm going to use it today. I'm going to be faithful with what you've given today. No excuses. No fear. Just thankful and faithful. So there's this beautiful quote about a pessimist. Next one, pessimist. Fear of failure. Pessimist. Nope, nope, go on. The pessimist sees the cup as half empty. The optimist sees the cup as half full. But the child of God sees, my cup runs over. Thanksgiving, my cup runs over. I have an opportunity today. No, I'm not going to live in a place of fear. I'm going to live in a place of thanksgiving. God, thank you that I have my Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening that I can bless someone today. 
I can be kind to my wife. I can be kind to someone. I can bless someone. I can serve someone. I can be faithful. My cup runs over. But when we need to get self out of the way and get Christ enthroned. Again, the last, last bit. Um, verse 20. Uh, There's a beautiful verse that says, Now, now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. It's not on the screen. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. He will lead you in triumph. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. When you apply the little bit he's given to you, according to his guidance, it will work. Whatever it might be, it will work. Okay, so now, better news. Let's go to the better news. Verse 20. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents. Saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more also besides them. And he said to him, the Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful. Say faithful. Over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. You see the increase of responsibility, the increase of, uh, of, uh, of influence. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And then the second one, he also had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Say few things. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. You want to bless your Savior? You want to bless the Lord Jesus Christ? You want to bless your King? Be faithful in the few things. Not many things, a few things. I, I heard this guy, his name is Satish Kumar, a pastor in India. He said... In God's view, it's not how successful you are, it's how faithful you are. Now listen to his story. 1995, the Lord spoke to him and said, you're going to have a mega church. From 1995 to 2005, nothing. For 10 years, he was just sort of preaching on the corners of the streets and trying nothing for 10 years. But he had a word. I'm going to do this for you. He didn't give up. He was continuously faithful. 2005, they started with 20 people. By 2015, they were 130,000 people. 130,000 people. For 10 years, nothing. Then, faithfulness, 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 and then God. And then God. You see, the results are in God's hands. But you and I, we need to be faithful. We need to be faithful. You know, since I became a pastor 15 years, almost 15 years ago, I've always given my best. I would prepare better than I think anybody else. I would practice my sermons three, four, five times before I hit Sunday service. I would preach it to the window. Or the mirror, or whatever. I'm like preaching it. I'm going to do. I'm going to practice it. No, I'm not the best communicator. No, I'm not the best in all these things. But I'm going to be the best with my one talent, so that my one talent can become two, and my two five, and so the Lord can find me faithful, so that He can bring the increase and the multiplication. Just start with what you have. 
Take the little bit and go for it. No excuses. No fear. Just faithful. Let me say that again. No excuses. No fear. Just faithful. Just faithful. God will bless you. He will open doors for you. It is the faithful. I believe most men of God that is promoted by God is because of their faithfulness. You see now something, but you don't know what happened behind the scenes. You don't know what the, the, the sacrifices they made. So here's something ending off with this. Well done. My good and faithful pastor. No. Bishop, no. Evangelist, no. Apostle, no. Preacher, no. Missionary, no. Teacher, no. Singer, no. Worship leader, no. No, servant. My good and faithful servant. The results are in God's hands, but I can be faithful with what has been placed in my hands. Develop your skill. Apply it. Give your best. Whether in the workplace, develop the skills God has given to you so that you can reapply them for the kingdom of God. It's the only way. Faithful. 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 So what does success look like? You see there the two-talent guy? Same reward as the five-talent guy. Same reward. This is profound. Same reward as the five. You know, in, our, in, in our society, we look at, say, the big church guy or the big business guy or the you know, CEO, guy with a lot of money or big influence or the church of 10,000 or 20,000, etc. And we think, man, I've only got this little bit. God is probably more blessed with that person than with me. No. I believe the guy with the 10 people in his church that's faithful could get the same reward as a guy as 100,000 in his church. Just depends if they're faithful. Same with a business guy. You can be faithfully serving in your, in your workplace. Never maybe the CEO or the headmaster or the whatever, but you are faithful teachers. You're faithful with those kids. You give your best. You love them. You tell them about Jesus. You get, take every opportunity you can to invest in their lives and just love them with the love of Jesus. You get the same reward if you're faithful as the guy with the massive influence. Amen. This is so important because what happens is one of the reasons the one talent guy hit it is probably saying, like, well, it's insignificant. My little bit is insignificant. So I'm not going to do it. You need to believe that what God has placed in your hands is significant. My one talent, it is huge. Let's say it, it's huge. It's huge. It's huge. It's huge. It's given to you by the king of kings. It is huge. It is significant. The skill set you have. It is significant. It is valuable. Your time. It is valuable. Everything God has given to you. It comes from the king. It's significant. You need to believe it. And say, God, I'm going to steward my one talent like you can't imagine. I will be the most faithful one talent person on the planet. Amen. I'll be the most faithful one talent person on the planet. You can, you can do it. Every one of us can do this. This is not out of reach for anyone. But you need to reprioritize. You need to make Jesus king. Then you say, no excuses. Yes, I know you have a baby. But after the baby, what will be the next excuse? And the next excuse. 
And the next excuse. We see this with people. We see with some people that have babies and they no longer come to church. And then after three years of not coming to church, it's like, oh, we don't really know how to go to church. You know? And they lose their way. Stop the excuses. You know, in Brazil, man, they bring babies, everything on their hip, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. They, they, I think we're soft sometimes. But anyway, you could rebuke me. I might be wrong. Jesus, forgive me. But, but let's not make excuses today and make excuses next week and make excuses the following month and the following year until we come to the end of our lives and we stand before Jesus and we make another excuse. Let's not do that. Let's be faithful with what the Lord has placed in our hands. Amen. So if you want to not waste your life, stop making excuses. Don't be afraid. Just be faithful. Amen. And one day, when you stand before King Jesus, and you did it, and you made it, you're going to say, thank you, Pastor Andre, for sharing that message on that Sunday. wasn't comfortable. I don't like it so much. But I want to hear good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Good and faithful servant. Amen.